Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Okay, so friends, we have something super fun and a bit different for you in today's episode. Our guest for today's episode is my sweet husband, Carl Wilson. This is his second appearance on the Girls' Night Podcast, and I could not be more excited. In our conversation today, Carl and I are answering some of your biggest questions about the engagement season. We're sharing about expectations and how we can be intentional with our time during this season of life. We also talk about how to navigate conflict, how to communicate with each other, and how to make decisions together when you're engaged. It's kind of tricky, but we're going to talk it through. This conversation was so much fun. Carl has amazing wisdom on how to make the most of this season and set your marriage up for success. So if you're currently a bride-to-be and wondering how to live this season to the full, this episode is for you. But before we dive in, I wanted to take one quick second to tell you guys about one of my very favorite resources that we have around here. It's called the Lipstick Gospel Devotional, and it is a 90-day devotional to help you consistently connect with God, hearing from Him, trusting His plans, and feeling His presence in your everyday life. In this devotional, we talk about how to consistently spend time with God and how to feel connected to Him well beyond your morning quiet times. We talk about how to step into your God-given identity, feeling truly beautiful and good enough in your skin. We talk about how to keep your faith strong in the midst of transition, uncertainty, and really hard days. We talk about how to trust the plans God has for your life and how to figure out what the heck those plans actually are. And that's just the beginning. I just got a message from a sweet reader who's been reading through the devotional lately, and she had the kindest things to say. I want to read her words to you, but I'm going to try not to cry as I do because seriously, they meant the world to me. She said, The Lipstick Gospel devotional has been nothing short of life-changing. I cannot thank you enough for your wisdom, realness, and the comfort that comes from your God-given words. I crave my morning devotion time. It has helped me get to a place of joy and of peace that I've truly never experienced before. Blessed would be an understatement. Uh, okay, see why I want to cry reading that? That's amazing. Thank you so much for reading Holly and for your sweet words. Now, friends, if you are in the kind of place that Holly is, and if you are looking to grow in your faith these days, I would love to share this with you. To pick up a copy, you can go to smaywilsonshop.com, or you can click the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. Okay, now without any further ado, let's hop into my conversation with Carl. Friends, I'm so excited for what we have for you today. I'm sitting here with someone who's not a girl, but someone who really is maybe the biggest fan of Girls' Night out of anybody. I'm sitting here with my dear husband, Carl Wilson. Number one fan. Number one fan. Yeah. Carl. President of the fan club, really. I mean, do you have a t-shirt or something? Do they make t-shirts for that? Uh, yeah. They, we, they're like puffy paint. I made them myself. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right. Iron on letters, the whole thing. Is there any bedazzling or anything to them? Uh, not so much. Not so much the bedazzling. I saved that for my jeans. <laughs> Denim, denim only, bedazzler. That's amazing. Yeah. This has started off well. Um, <laughs> so, Carl, I I am really happy to have you here because we're going to be talking about a topic today that I've been meaning. I've been meaning to bring this up for a long time, and um, it sounds like I'm about to give you some feedback in life. Like, Carl, I've been meaning to sit you down and talk mm. to you about this for a 
a while. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was the moment. So I've really been wanting to talk about this on the show for a while, and the timing is really perfect. But before we even get into that, I almost skipped over the most important part. Carl, tell us who you are, what you do, <laughs> and your, important part. your fun fact. I'm Carl Wilson. I'm Stephanie's husband and have been for about five years now. <laughs> I, what do I, what do I do? Yeah. What do you do? Um, so I have a, a branding agency design studio here in Nashville, um, called Loom, Loom Studio. And we help growing brands create, uh, create an atmosphere and environment that better looks like them, that better represents them. A lot of people have dreams and goals and vision for what they want to become, what they want their business to become, what they want their personal brand to become, what they want their, you know, career to become their product and the way they look, the way they talk about it, the way um, it's perceived by other people doesn't match the vision they have for it in their head. And so our goal is to merge strategy with really great design and and storytelling to really, yeah, help people get to where they want to go and look like they belong there. I love that. That's a great explanation. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Um, I also feel like people would be like, well, great, Stephanie, that that's what your husband does. But I feel like we should be clear with the fact that you have absolutely helped me with a lot of things, but you're not like the man behind the scenes. Like you're not doing all of my things for me. I wish you would, but unfortunately you have other clients that you have to take care of. Yeah, no, we, I like doing things for you. I also like that there are other people that get to be involved so that it's not just me and my, and what I think that I'm obviously not totally the target demographic. <laughs> uh, and so I like that there's other influences and other voices that get to to speak into and, and, and shape what Stephanie Wilson looks like. I love that. I yeah. love that. Um, okay. So give me your fun fact. Well, you, you have one that you like, right? Well, I only came up with one for you because I sprung this interview on you like really pretty early in the morning. And we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but morning time is where I'm like my best morning. I just wanted to give you a minute to wake up. So if you have a different fun fact, go ahead and hit me with it. But if you don't, I did come prepared for, I did come prepared with one for you. I mean, there are lots of, there are lots of facts. I don't know. I think they're all fun, but, (laughs) but it doesn't mean that other people do. The one you were talking about was that I was in a movie, but like, let's be clear, like a pretty, it was a feature length movie, not the biggest budget <laughs> movie. It was available on DVD somewhere sometime. Does Kathy have a copy? I think we do. Okay. Or we did. Have, it may, it may have, it may have been lost at some point, but yeah. Uh, I, I played the, it's, it's a movie about this kid in high school. He's a lacrosse player. And I played the like rival lacrosse player on another team. The mean guy. The mean guy. Oh, so funny. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen clips. What's funny is that like all of these kids and including the, like the main character were like in high school and I was like a senior in college, (laughs) like significantly larger than most of the, like than most of the kids though. <laughs> Which is good because the bully's supposed to be big and scary. Yeah, so. yeah. So it kind of works. But like I think I shaved. <laughs> but I might have had like, like I might have had a beard. little bit, not a full beard. Oh. <laughs> but like that kind of adds to the added to the character, I felt like. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how many like high school freshmen can grow a full beard. I might have 
stuck out a little bit that way. Well, that's amazing. If yeah. you think of any other fun facts, you can go ahead and throw them in. Okay. So Carl, today we're going to be talking about engagement and, um, I'm really excited about this topic because it's something that we've been talking about a lot in life, in our own lives recently, because my baby sister is engaged. Um, And I always call her my baby sister, but to be clear, she's like 27 years old. Totally. So she's not a baby per se. She's babier than you. She's babier than me. And she always, she's just always going to feel like my baby sister. So anyway, my baby sister's engaged, which means she's wedding planning and doing all the things that goes along with it. And um, she's been asking us a million questions, which has been so good because I feel like when you, it's been really gratifying for me because you plan a wedding when you're engaged, you plan a wedding and you get good at it right before you actually get married. And then all of those skills are totally non-transferable. Yeah. Like you just, it doesn't matter that you know how to pick out the perfect flowers for, you know, 47 different tables or whatever. Right. Like it, yeah, it's just not necessary information anymore, which is unless you become a wedding planner, in which case it's great. But, but, um, so it's been really great to talk to Kelly through these things and to remember like, oh, I totally have thoughts about this or we did that yeah. wrong. Let's yeah. <laughs> like help you. Well, I think that that's, I mean, that's definitely true with, with weddings and, and I think most people hope that they only plan their own wedding one time. Yeah. But I think that that, that idea is true for a lot of things. And really like when you think about it, like there are a lot of things in life that are that way that you don't actually like you may have a similar opportunity again, but like you don't get a chance to go back and do that thing again. Yeah. And so you've gained this knowledge and this experience. And so what, if you can't go back and do it again, what are you going to do with that, that thing that you have? And you can either like, yeah, use it to help somebody do theirs their way or just kind of keep it to yourself and wish that, you know, wish that you would have done it done it differently. But I think about like, obviously we don't have kids yet or anything like that, but like, I think about that of, of, yeah, you learn things as you go, but every kid is different. So it's not like you can't, I can't get a reset on kid number one. Like <laughs> That's not what kid number two is right. or yeah. Or things like that. Even in, even in other relationships, like, you know, you know, work and stuff like that. I think about that sometimes with clients of like, I want to constantly be learning from things that went well and things that went wrong, but like every client is, is different. And so you don't necessarily know like what, yeah, you can't necessarily like just get a redo. You just have to take that and use that. And I think one of the best ways to use that is to help other people. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and so this has just been something we've been talking about a lot, my sister, and we've been talking about the logistics of being engaged in wedding planning, but then also like all the hard stuff that goes along with this huge transition. And then the other thing that's been so fun is that my amazing community manager, she's on my team here at all things Stephanie May Wilson, um, is Kate and Kate is engaged and she is actually getting married in May also. And so Kate actually came up with most of these questions for us just out of the conversations she's having with her engaged girlfriends, out of the things she's wondering, out of just the things that she knows are, are a struggle or a, a pain point when people are engaged. And so anyway, between Kate and Kelly, we have a whole list of questions about engagement and I'm hoping that we can just share some of the things that happened with us and that we learned along the way. And like at the very least, help you know that you're not alone. Yeah. I think at the very least, help you know that you're not alone and, and maybe give you something to just 
make it just a tad easier. Mm -hmm. Um, So Carl, I have just a bunch of questions and I'm going to dive in and ask them to you and I'll weigh in too. So don't worry about that. But so first of all, I want to ask, you know, I think that we have major expectations when it comes to the season of being engaged. Like there may be few seasons that we have more expectations on. Does that make, I don't know if that sentence made sense. Like we just have huge expectations. So what were your expectations for engagement and I feel like this is a good time to just give people a little bit of background. What did our engagement season actually look like? Yeah, I, th- I think that, I don't know what my expectations were. And I think that that's part of why it can be a challenge for people is it's one of those things that, I mean, that's the ideal comp- like example of what you're talking about of like, I haven't done this before. I'm probably never going to do it again. I mean, maybe, and that's okay. But like, there's a lot of secondhand information of like, and this is ironic because it's obviously what we're doing right now, but like, there's a lot of like stories and you know, a lot of what other people's experiences have been. And so like this collection of, of stories and experiences kind of shapes yours, but yours is, is different and unique. And so it's this combination of trying to experience something while also kind of reconciling your experience to what you've heard from other people and, and not necessarily on purpose, although I do, I think it like easily lends itself to comparison, but like trying to create your own thing while also having to, like, I don't know how you avoid comparing to, to other people's experience. Well, and especially because it's a really big deal. Like engagement is this crazy season and you've thought about it a lot. And so you want to do it right. Right. Like quote unquote. And so I think that the thing that like, I remember doing that a lot, looking around at other couples and being like, how much time do they spend together? How many dates do they go on? How are they doing their finances? How are they planning their wedding? Like just I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. Mm -hmm. But really, I think what we found is that every engagement season is different. And yeah, yeah, I feel like it's going to talk about that a little. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's true that you, you don't know, you know, unlike some things previous in life and it's different, obviously, depending on when you get married, but like some things are a lot of things where you have to, you don't get immediate feedback. I think in, in engagement season of like, you feel like there's the pressure of this sets up our marriage. And if we do engagement wrong, our marriage is going to be messed up from the beginning, or it's going to be harder, or there's going to be something that like, and that's not true. Like there are things you can do to set yourself up to be successful in marriage as you're going through your engagement. But if you don't spend enough time doing whatever, when you're engaged, it doesn't mean you can't do it when you're married or, you know, oh, we didn't pray enough when we were engaged. So now we're going to be godless as a couple. Like, that's not how that works. It's this. And so I think a little bit, I think that we should be intentional and it's really special this season of engagement, but it's not a bubble. It's not this exclusive thing where these things are for engagement and everything else like exists outside of that. There are things from before engagement that really matter and really impact your engagement and your marriage and your life beyond that. And there are things that happen after that are totally fine, like within engagement, like it doesn't, there's not as hard a break, I think, between these seasons as we like to think that there is. I feel like it's kind of like, you know, forever, I would put so much pressure on New Year's mm-hmm. um, because I'm like, okay, this is, or my birthday or something. Right, well, right. I'm always, I still put pressure on my birthday. I feel like I should 
and not say that in front of you because you know <laughs> that's very true. But it's like, oh my gosh, if I don't spend New Year's well, or if New Year's Day isn't yeah. perfect or whatever, that means like my whole year is kicked off in a bad right. way. And it's like, well, no, it's like, it's just another date on the calendar. And if you want to start your year on like January 10th, which is usually what I do, yeah. um, then great. Like it doesn't, it doesn't having a, a bad New Year's Eve or whatever. I mean, I feel like everyone has bad New Year's Eve. So they're yeah. never what we expect does not mean that the following year is going to be a wreck. Yeah. It's, it really is like this, this, this process. Of, I mean, to me, that's, that's what it's about. It's a, it's about this, like this in between and this transition. But a lot of that is realizing that marriage is figuring out how to solve problems together and figuring out how to overcome obstacles and, and to just generally do life together. And that process is no different, you know, engagement versus like in engagement then, then out of it, it's not like the problems are larger when you're engaged or things like that. But I think sometimes we think that we think that they are, or we don't, we, we pretend, I think that like, one of the hard parts I think about engagement is that there's this pressure that like all of it has to be on one person, all of the planning, all of the organization, all of the problem solving is on one person. And then magically this togetherness will start once the marriage starts. And that's like one of these big myths that no, like this is a time to practice that togetherness and that problem solving together. And so both people need to be intentional about that and create opportunities and create space for that that collective problem solving to happen. But the overarching theme is like, again, in the same way we tell people not to wait for certain things, like don't wait when you're single for things that like to happen when you're engaged. Don't wait when you're engaged for things to be different when you're married. Cause it, that, that, that showing up on the one day and being engaged and waking up the next day and being married. Yeah. You feel different, but you're still you. And so use that time to, to figure out how to do, how to be, how to practice being the people that you want to be in marriage, knowing that in marriage is continually just practicing who you want to be in marriage. Right. Like it's not like practice, practice, practice. And then marriage is game day. And then the rest, like it actually counts. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's very much like always trying to get better at being married. Yeah. Like when you're engaged, it's about being, trying to get better at being married. And when you're married, it's about trying to get better at being married. Yeah. I really like that. Um, I feel like I, I like that you said that about wedding planning. I do think that there's this idea that, that the woman is supposed to be entirely in charge of the wedding. And I think sometimes that's just sort of what was modeled for us. And so we totally. think, okay, like that's what, what it is, or that's what our friends did. Or sometimes I think we have such high expectations of our wedding that like to let anyone else in on the planning is really scary and really mm-hmm. hard, which like, that's something for us to start to get over because you don't want to be the sole person in charge of your life. Yeah. You want, you're marrying this person so that they can also contribute to the plan of your life. And yeah. it will look a little bit different than it would if you were on your own, but that's the beauty of it. Um, yeah. Or sometimes I think it's like lack of knowledge or expectations or sometimes laziness on the part of the person who's not helping. Yeah. Um, you and I, really planned our wedding entirely together though. And I feel like I always thought about it. I was like, this is the best team building exercise in the entire world. No, it is. It really was. It was the first time we kept a budget together. Mm -hmm. It was the first time we really, I mean, we had to talk through all kinds of expectations. There were all kinds of opportunities for like conflict almost. Like it's like every, there's so many opportunities, there's so many problems to solve really. But I really, I want to just touch on this really quickly. Um, We had a big 
you know, all of our expectations about engagement, you know, I think that in some ways I thought it was going to be the most special time of my whole life because Mm -hmm. people talk about it that way. I also thought it was going to be the most miserable part of my whole life because people (laughs) also talk about it that way, which that's hard to hold both of those in in both your hands at the same time. But regardless, there was something that I didn't expect to happen during our engagement that, that threw a wrench in it for us. Um, do you want to just touch on that quickly and we can, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we met when we were working together at, at a nonprofit and three months. So we got married at the beginning of July in March, right? March, uh, of that year, we both came into work on a random Thursday yeah, out of the blue and we're told that we didn't have jobs anymore. And that was shocking to say the least. I think that we didn't, neither one of us expected that to be the case. And all of the things that come along with that as well of, okay, you know, we weren't living in like a big city at the time or anything. It was kind of out in a suburb and and stuff like that. And so faced with all of the questions of like, not only do we have to like, are we planning a wedding that is happening in three months? But now, like we had planned on on staying there for a while, like for at least a year, I think, to just have some stability and have some normalcy. And God said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, you your ideas of stability are not are not what's gonna happen. And so instead, we're gonna go the we're gonna do the opposite. And you're gonna have to find a new place to live, like a new town, a new city, whatever, and a new like apartment, house, whatever, uh, you're going to have to both find new jobs. You're going to have to make new friends. You're going to have to figure out, you know, it, it, what you've thought life has looked like is not going to be what it looks like. And so that was also a part of a part of our engagement season was, you know, we had, I think we had planned on going, okay, we're going to like take it slow and, and, and learn what it's like to be married in the confines of like a known environment. We've lived here for a few years now and like things are familiar and like, this is our grocery store. This is our favorite restaurant. And this is our, like, these are our friends and stuff like that. And we didn't, that wasn't available to us. I mean, I guess we could have stayed, but really like there, there wasn't anything else for us in this, in this town at that point in, in life. And so it was time for a change and, and that was a good thing, but yeah, it was, uh, hey, you've got three months to find new jobs while also trying to find ways to work in the meantime. So you have money to be married and and to get you know an apartment when you move to this new place and to move and all of those things like just compounded into a fun little a fun little problem to solve together. <laughs> so yeah, we definitely had opportunities to practice problem, problem solving, solving beyond just you know centerpieces and and like versus ivory tablecloths exactly exactly which absolutely was something we had to decide but I feel like thinking about that I like want to hug us <laughs> um I just like want to wrap my arms around us that uh season actually or that day when we lost our jobs was um I think five years ago today isn't that nuts yeah that's wild isn't that crazy that's um, really wild so I think like just one takeaway as you guys are listening to this and thinking about your own engagement season, like a part of me was, I was a little hesitant to even talk about engagement um, because I know that it's different for everybody and everyone's, you know, relationships different. Everyone's season of life is different. But I think that, I think regardless of who you are and regardless of what your season looks like, it might be different than what you expected and in great ways and, and in hard ways. And, and you just have like, life continues to sort of 
happen regardless of what stage of life we're in. You know, Mm -hmm. life happens when you're dating. Like, I mean, we went through, we had family members get sick. We had family members die when we were dating and like life just kind of kept on going and we had to start to learn to work through it together. And I think that that's, you know, what we've been talking about, that engagement is a really great time to start just on a new level of commitment. Cause you're, you're starting to learn to work together when you're dating, but mm-hmm. when you get engaged, it's a new level of commitment to each other um, and really work as a team and as a partnership. And I think, you know, as much as I want to like go like hug us five years ago, I also am really grateful for that season because right. we are so much better at being married because we like went through a crazy obstacle course in the first several months of our relationship. Like we're so much better communicators because of it. We're so much better at loving each other. We have been able to weather other hard, you know, turbulent seasons because of what we've been through together. And so I think knowing that like, regardless of how complicated it it is or simple it is because of all kinds of different factors, your engagement season is a time of learning to really work as a team and learning to work as a team will make every season of life better for you together. So when we are engaged, um, and this is sort of a logistical question and a heart question, some about wedding planning, but mostly just about like future planning, what are some must-have conversations that we need to have like before we get married? Um, or what are some of the conversations that we had about life and about, you know, what we're heading towards and things like that? Yeah, I, I think that understanding I guess I don't know like what, again, like back to this theme of like, I don't feel like they're necessarily questions that or conversations that are like, these are questions or conversations only for engagement or you have to wait until you're engaged to talk about these things or there's not like a a list necessarily. But like, I think to me, that's when if you haven't talked about things like, I mean, money, then you have to talk about money and you have to talk about like what... It, what you do well in terms of money, what your weakness are, what you, your weaknesses are in terms of money, what what other things like, okay, let's put it all, let's just put it all out on the table and go, hey, if, well, I know we haven't really talked about this and paying my own bills, but like I have this college debt that you don't <laughs> really know about, or like I have these credit cards uh, and things like that. Like now's the time. Yeah. Um, I think just like lifestyle kind of things too, of starting to understand what your expectations are in terms of the way that your daily life goes. And depending on what your situation is before you get engaged and how much time you spend together and things like that, like there's a lot of things about how you go about your day that you take for granted and and don't involve anybody else and, and that you really have grown accustomed to and things that the other person doesn't know about, about you. And that's not wrong because it's just stuff that's like, you don't really necessarily think about. It's things like, do you have a morning routine? And now having another person there around is going to impact your morning routine. Like, how do you fill each other in on that kind of stuff? Or, hey, when I come home from work, this is something that I, I like to do, or I need this much space, or I need, you know, this much time together. And and that's stuff that, like, obviously you can't plan it all and map it all out, but but it's almost more important for you to just think through it than to have to explain it to the other person. Like you, you'll catch up to each other, but, but realize what you bring, what other stuff you're bringing into this thing so that you 
I mean, honestly, so that you can take ownership over your own things. And that to me is like one of those hard balances in, in engagement and transitioning from engage, like from dating to engagement and engagement to marriage is that we, I think different cultures do and, and the way that they present marriage present different ideas of how closely tied your lives should be, but there, like, there aren't rules for that thing. Like there's no, there's no article about that in the, in the bridal magazine. Yeah. And finding that criteria of like, of what that looks like to balance your own space and your own time and your own needs and your own, you know, world with this other person's and, and most people swing really far to the, like, everything has to be together. Everything has to be completely integrated. We have to merge and sync our schedules completely. We have to like all, all of the, whatever could be smashed together must be like smashed into one cohesive unit. And I just don't like, personally, I don't think that's realistic and that's fine if it works for some people, but I, I think com- that, that it's okay to have, parts of your life that are just parts of your life as an individual. And that makes the collective unit of you as a married couple or even as an engaged couple that much better of going, you know, you need that space and that's okay. And there's, it doesn't mean anything bad about us that like, that you're allowed to go do the thing you want to do. You love running. I'm talking to him hypothetically because it's not true of either of, of us. Of either of us, yeah. <laughs> like, you love running. The expectation shouldn't be that all of a sudden I love and want to go running with you. If I do, that's cool. But don't put that, like, that doesn't automatically now have to become something that I'm, like, in love with or does anything for me personally because we're engaged now or because we're married now. Like, maybe it's that that time is really good for you to go be by yourself and to go do this thing that you love. And in that time, I'm going to go read a book or do this other thing that I love. And that balance of of time together and time away is actually really important. Time to pursue things on our own and also making time to pursue things together only makes us stronger. And so hopefully like that's the kind of stuff to talk through though too of like, and it doesn't, you don't have to come with this prepared list, right? Like, but I think just being aware of those things and, and learning to be aware of those things, again, it, it doesn't start in engagement and it doesn't stop with, with marriage, but making the habit of kind of taking an inventory of your own needs mm-hmm. is a good habit to be in. I think, um, you know, I like that you said that we don't have to come with a solid list. I do remember at one point, and I think we're going to talk about premarital counseling in a minute, but, um, I think we talked about this in premarital counseling, or this was part of it where I think we wrote down like a list of tasks that needed to get accomplished in a day. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, these will be yours. These will be mine. And it was things like laundry, budgeting, emptying the dishwasher, cooking, um, cleaning, like just things that humans need to do. And I think that we probably did make a list of like, this is going to be your thing, or this is going to be my thing. And, and I honestly don't remember what we assigned to who. (laughs) Um, I don't remember which one was mine, which one was yours because it changed. Um, and it's changed over time and we've shifted and, and been like, actually, you know, I think I might be better at this or I have more time to do this or, you know, I have more time in this season. So let's switch or whatever. But I think having that conversation was really important because I know that depending on how we've been brought up or what our expectations are, I think some of us men and women have the expectation that both of us 
are in the workforce and that we split sure. all the domestic tasks. Some of us have the expectation that one of us doesn't work right. and does all the domestic tasks or things like right. that. Or like, you know, my mom always cooked, which my parents shared it. So this is also hypothetical, but like my mom always cooked and had dinner on the table by six or whatever. And so is that an expectation or sure. that is my expectation or having conversations like that? So I think that those are some bigger conversations where it's like, what is your role as the wife in our marriage? And yeah. what do I picture that looking like? And what do you picture that looking like? And I think another com- big conversation is like kids. Like mm-hmm. that's a that's a huge one. Yeah. Do you want kids? Do you not want kids? You know, what? I think anything that you can think of where it's like, if my life doesn't look like this, I'm going to feel really disappointed or like I missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, if, if I, if I don't have kids, I'm going to feel, or if I don't at least try, I feel like I'm not going to have live the life I want to live. Well, okay. That's really important to communicate or this seems like a small thing, but you know, this hasn't been a small thing for me. A huge thing has been travel. Uh-huh. If I married someone who did not want to travel with me or would not like support me in going on my own. Cause sometimes I travel without you and sometimes you travel without me. But if, if I married someone that that wasn't important to, I would feel like a giant chunk of myself and my life had not turned out um, the way that I hoped it would. Right. Same with like, if someone, um, if I married someone who didn't expect me to have a career or, or didn't want me to have a career, I would have missed a piece of like the core of who I am and what yeah. I'm meant to do in the world. So I think that those kinds of conversations, like some, if there's anything where it's like, if I get to the end of my life or if I get six months into my life or, you know, however long, and this isn't a part of it, yeah, we're like, that's going to be a big problem for me starting to talk about those things and figuring out like how you're going to find some compromise. Right. And it's so important because those, I think are the areas of like the sources of like hidden or or unexpected resentment Yeah. of like, I always had this dream and because we didn't talk about it, I got shoved into this role that isn't what I planned for life and it's your fault. Yeah. Or I thought that like I was envisioned my life being a certain way and you want it to be something different and I'm not allowed to be the thing that I wanted to be, or I'm not allowed to do the thing that I wanted to do, or I'm stuck doing this thing that I hate. And obviously that's not a recipe for, for success in any situation, but especially in a marriage. And so figuring those things out and, and just having that conversation, I think can be, can be challenging, but again, it's, it's, it's one that has to happen. And And those conversations aren't fun at all, but the result of not having them is even worse. Totally, totally. Something that, you know, one of the questions that I have is, it's sort of twofold. So one of the questions um, that we were given was like, how do you handle conflict um, if you don't agree on something relating to the future, like finances or holiday celebrations or where to live or one of these big things? But then the other piece of it is like, so the next question was, knowing that we're called to live selflessly, that we're called to put the other person ahead of ourselves, how do we engage in these conversations? Yeah. Like, how do you, I I think that sometimes we get ourselves in like a bit of a, I couldn't think of another word than pickle. So I'm going to go with pickle. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Can kind of find ourselves in a bit of a pickle when we're like, okay, we're talking about something in the future. I've always wanted to live. I, I don't, this is just a random example, but like, I've always wanted to live in the city, but you want to live in the country, like Mm -hmm. total opposite. Yeah. 
but I want to put you ahead of myself. So I'm not going to tell you that I want to live. Like, how do you, how do you communicate what you need while also putting the other person, like while also prioritizing the other person? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think it's bigger than just, just marriage. Like this is part of this is true in all relationships, but like there's a, there's a tipping point where you not getting the thing that you need is going to get in the way of you like being a good partner. And that's what I'm talking about. Like things like resentment and, and just these underlying feelings start to, to come in and, and will disrupt your relationship in, in subtle ways, I think at first, and you will talk yourself into like, but yeah, but like, I'm, I'm deferring to this person or like, you know, I'm, I'm putting that person first, but the reality is that in the short term, yes, you might be, but in the long term, are you, are you doing the thing that's best for, like, it's a certain form of like self-care, right? Like if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not doing some things that create space and create room for you to exist in the relationship, you're not going to feel like you're contributing or, or, or you know, adding value in a way that, that makes sense. And it's almost like there's this component that, that is, I mean, I, I think it, it, so just like our appearance and stuff like that, right? Like we're watching Queer Eye and it's great and everything. And there's like husband and wife and they're great. It's, it's, does she know she's beautiful? Yeah. On some level, does he think she's beautiful? Yes. On some level, she thinks she's making things easier by just like not dressing up, not, you know, putting on a bunch of makeup and and everything like that. She's just kind of playing it cool. He's not asking her to do that, but I think on some level she feels like she's deferring to him or whatever. When in reality, that, that little bit of time of self-care and personal investment and saying, this is what I need. This is like what I know and, and committing to that. The more you value yourself, I think the more that like, the more fruitful that relationship becomes. Yeah. And so there's a difference between, Valuing yourself and prioritizing the other person are not exclusive. Yeah. In fact, they're probably more related than most of us think. Yeah. And I, it comes back to that thing about having time to do your own thing and create, like, have your own space, but also realizing that, like, I'm a better me when I do these things that I need. And when I do these things that I need, this better me is just better at loving you, is better at taking care of you, is better partner in this relationship. And that is worthwhile, that that matters, that's meaningful, and it's not wrong. Yeah. It's not, yeah. So, Carl, I love that we've been talking about this, about needing to show up and, and express your desires and your needs. And, I, you know, I think one piece of it is there's a lot of compromise that comes with this. Like, if you are saying something like, you know, if we're talking about the country versus the city living example, um, there might be seasons where you do live in the country and you want to live in the city, but then there are also seasons where you, where you can kind of swap and, or what is it about living in the city? How can we bring that into the country? Or, you know, it's just, I think that us recognizing that bringing our whole selves to the table is not us not prioritizing the other person. It's, it is us prioritizing the other person. Cause I think that like, this may sound extreme, but saying what you need and, and even if it's going to cause some conflict, saying who you are and what you need and bringing your whole self to the table may cause a fight or a disagreement or an argument or or like a tense season. But I think that squashing that down for 20 years causes like the demise of a marriage. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's, 
the whole thing is is, is compromising and, and learning to make decisions together. And some of those things are, yeah, really obvious. Like, okay, we're going to live, I mean, as an example, we're going to live in the country for five years or we're going to live in the city for five years or whatever. Like, that's fine. Or when in, in, in terms of any of these things, in terms of kids or, or how you spend your money and stuff like that, but you never know how you can never overcome that thing if you don't if you don't talk about it and you don't bring it up and you don't say, Hey, this is, you know, what I need in this area. And again, then you create these opportunities to be able to problem solve together and, and not feel like you have to problem solve on your own and then present this ready-made solution to another person and and hope that, that they're okay with that thing or never, or, or never bring it up never get the thing that you want. There are a lot of things that have happened where, you know, I, I mean, this is part of the, I think part of the whole point of marriage is there are a lot of things that we wouldn't choose or do if it was just us, but because this other person is a part of our life and because this other person has their own needs and their own wants, and their own desires, they challenge us and they push us and they get us to do things that we wouldn't normally do and discover things that we would never discover on our own. And if we keep all of this stuff to ourselves, we never actually see those things and we never get to bring that person into the stuff that we love. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the coolest parts of, of being married. Because like maybe you do try to go running and you find out that you actually love it and it is something you can do together. Or maybe it's something that that yeah. person does that's never going to be our no, story. No, no. Maybe it's like a certain type of food or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, we'll, we'll push each other to be more adventurous <laughs> eaters. <laughs> yeah. We don't run. Um, one thing, you know, one of the questions was about conflict and resolving conflict and what to do when the other person hurts your feelings. And, mm-hmm. um, that this, what we were talking about reminds me of this because I think that sometimes we squash down when our feelings are hurt, we don't say something Mm -hmm. because we want, we talk ourselves out of it. We think the fact that I'm mad about this is dumb or a good wife wouldn't bring this up. Or I'm trying to be, I'm trying to defer to the other person or put them first. So I'm not going to bring up this thing. I'm just going to sort of suffer in silence Mm because we think that that's better. But I think that that is also the cause of like something let me say this in a different way. I think that somehow that's become one of our like marital superpowers is, hmm. is truly just talking about things way before they become a giant issue. Hmm. Because when something like loading the dishwasher wrong or something like, <laughs> well, which I still do and sorry, but I think that like it, something small like that over time can make, it seems like a small issue, but when it's not addressed or when something small isn't addressed for long enough, it becomes a way bigger thing. And then you have to tell that person two years down the line or five years down the line Mm -hmm. or 20 years down the line, I've been mad about this thing for 20 years and I never told you, which is so frustrating for the person hearing it because they're like, you never gave me an opportunity to correct this. Mm. And so I think that the faster we can talk through something, whether it's a conflict or whether it's a hope and dream for life mm. or something small that hurt our feelings, yes, it's uncomfortable. But no, we shouldn't We shouldn't be talking ourselves out of the way that we feel because we still feel that way. And you can't get through it if you don't talk about it. And like, I know that we all, like, we are all guilty of getting mad about things that are little. And yes, we should totally let things slide sometimes. And sometimes that's compromising with our person is like, you know what? I don't know if they're ever going to get loading the dishwasher right. Me, just like, let it go. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But if that's... There's no right or wrong way to load the dishwasher. It's a way that makes sense in a way that doesn't. (laughs) I was like, I was like, where is he going? I know you no, don't think that's true. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to seem like, oh, you did it the wrong way. It's not the wrong way. It's, it's just like, one way, doesn't it? That doesn't, why would you put that bowl on top? 
It's creative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have any, well, actually, let me, let me ask this way. I think that one of the things that you and I both learned, um, and we both learned it just because of the context that we were in before we met, I think, can you explain feedback? Maybe. I think so. I think it's the idea. Which is like the general idea. Yeah. I think the general idea is that it just, you need to have the, like the courage to say the things that need to be said and the things that are going on in your heart and your brain. This is something we learned on the world race. Yeah. 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 But just about like learning to live together with people in, in, in healthy community is to, to just whatever the thing is to get it out there. And I think what's important about it, again, it, is that it forces you to take a certain inventory of your life and of your feelings and thoughts and to take ownership over them. Like, it's not just an immediate reaction, right? Like, I think that that's the biggest thing about feedback is that it's an intentional delivery of like an intentional breaking down of your own thoughts and feelings and then intentionally communicating to the person that to the other person what those things are in a way that is like productive or, or constructive. So it's not like in the moment, like, Hey, you were bad at this. Right. Don't do it this way. Right. It's stop. It's noticing something that upsets you. Yeah. Taking a minute to think about it, but, but a mi- like, but a day, yeah. not a month to, to or at least a, like an hour or two. Yeah. To like, think about it and be like, what part of maybe part of that is you being kind of finicky or like, or like a little too particular, like maybe some of it you can right. let go. But the thing that is actually true is like, when you do this, it makes me feel like you don't care about me. And, and yeah. Like figuring out what the heart of it it is and then communicating the heart. Yeah. I think it's about creating a little bit of, of buffer between the immediate response in the moment and the thing that actually can help the person love you better or you love that person better. Yeah. And like taking the time to think through that. So often it, it is just an emotional reaction and a response to something. Like I feel like most major fights in any relationship, but not like marriage included, but like across the board, go from something small to something large because of things that are said in the moment, because of like emotional responses in that minute that you don't necessarily mean or aren't necessarily indicative of how you really feel, hmm. but you just get caught up in it. And so I think that this is a big part of of taking the time to, again, figure out what piece of this thing you need to own and what piece of this thing has nothing to do with that person. It's not that person's fault. It's not their responsibility. Yeah. Realigning your expectations for the situation and then bringing something, like I said, actually productive or constructive to that other person that is, that's more measured in terms of, you know, what, what their role or responsibility is or, or what's a realistic expectation for them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it requires a certain amount of like, I think emotional intelligence, but, but part of the beauty of it is that you build that as you do it. Yeah. So it's not like you, the expectation is that it's perfect from the beginning or anything like that. So an example, right, is like you get in a fight over, came home like this, like, like a classic one maybe is like, come home from work and you're like, oh, dinner's, dinner's not ready. Like I'm mad because I expect, I had this expectation that dinner would be ready and it would be this thing. The bigger expectation is that this is my role and this is your role and that that's the way our life maintains balance. If I immediately dive into this thing, then we have this big conversation of like, and, and you can see it. Like, I feel like we've seen it all on, you know, insert 
lighthearted sitcom here, insert not so lighthearted, like maybe a little too real situation here. And, and somewhere in the middle is where this conversation is going to live. We're probably not going to come out of it feeling great, at least, you know, for a little while. So taking the time to just stop, even if it's a few minutes and go, okay, why am I upset about this thing? I'm upset because I'm A, hungry, which is not this person's fault. B, had this expectation that this was going to happen and frustration signals this unmet expectation. Also, not this person's fault. Like, I didn't communicate that. We hadn't talked about it. Like, but just thinking through that, like, how can I expect this person to know this thing that we never talked about or whatever? On the flip side, yes, we, like, there's a situation where it's like, yeah, we agreed that I would have this and I didn't have this and I'm really sorry and I'm going to fix it. But like, we've got to take ownership over the parts that, that we need to take ownership of. The bigger thing is like, man, like, I'm upset about this. I had this, ex- like, A, I'm hungry. There's this physical response that I'm going through that's dictating part of this. B, I had this temporary expectation for this particular moment, and I got to deal with that. And what's my part to own in that, and what's their part to own in that? And third is that I have this bigger expectation of what this relationship is supposed to look like and supposed to be, and my role and their role. And we're not on the same if we're, like we're not on the same page about that for some reason, yeah. right? And so we've got to have this larger conversation. But most of the time. By realizing I own, let's say, just even half of the emotion, like all of the emotional stuff, half of the temporary expectation stuff, we can get skip over those things because that's just me. That's just me. That's nothing to do with you. Like I own those things. We don't need like we can talk through them, but like we don't have to fight about them. We don't have to have a conversation like about them so we can really focus on the thing that that matters. Where we're like, hey, what is our role in this? Yes. Yes. I think the thing when you said about unmet expectations and like, we never talked about this, Mm -hmm. you know, if you did talk about something, then the conversation becomes, hey, remember we talked about this. Yeah. Like I was expecting this because this is what we agreed to. What happened? You know, and trying to figure out how to move forward from there. If you never talked about it, I feel like every, this is like such a classic girl thing. I think you know, it comes out for us in like holidays or Valentine's day or our birthdays or something like that. Like I wanted you to know that this is what I wanted, but I didn't want to tell you because it feels like it ruins it that I had to tell you. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. 
Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. But I think that something that we've learned that has helped a lot is that the more we can just communicate our expectations, the happier we both are. Because I'm not mad at you that Valentine's Day didn't look the way I was hoping it would because you didn't read my mind. And we get to actually celebrate Valentine's Day the way that I was hoping to. I I think that just the more that we can communicate our hopes and our dreams and our expectations and our hopes for the faraway future and our hopes for the near future and just be clear about those things and not 
expect the other person to be able to read our minds, mm-hmm. the more we can avoid fights and and bad days and and the more that we can be on the same page and really love each other well. Um, I think that the expectation that the other person should be able to read our mind just isn't true. Just no one, no one is able to do that. Yeah. I think that a lot of those things come from this, like these beliefs about the way things are supposed to be like Valentine's day is supposed to be this way or this event or this way of doing things is supposed to be this way because that's what I've seen in, you know, whatever, that's what I've read. That's what I've been exposed to marriage and and the balance of responsibilities and roles is supposed to look this way. And I have this expectation that this is how it's supposed to look and you have a different expectation. But if we don't talk about that, the most basic thing is that we fall into this miscommunication habit of based on all my experiences and and exposure to things, this is what I have. And when that doesn't happen, it feels like we're failing. It feels like we're not doing it right because we're not doing the things that like a marriage is supposed to do that a healthy, you know, marriage or whatever is supposed to do, but it's not always like, we don't always filter it through the like healthy marriage part of it. It's just like, well, I've seen that this is what happens. I saw this on a TV show or I saw this, mm-hmm. this is how my parents did it, or this is how some friends of ours do it. And so I bring this expectation in that that's what healthy looks like. And we don't ever talk about it. And so it creates this opportunity for confusion and miscommunication. But the bigger thing you miss out on is actually deciding together what it is. Like we don't do Valentine's Day, you and I don't do Valentine's Day the way that a lot of other people do because we've decided, no, that's like not how we want to do things. And we want to do it our own way. We want to do things this like special way or roles and responsibilities have to be different and we have to do those a different way. And we can't bring those expectations, but because we've had the conversation and sat and said, what do you want this to look like? Like start with short, like, what do you think this is supposed to look like? But if that may or may not be true, if that precedent isn't like binding on a successful marriage and there's all this other freedom to decide what you want it to look like, you have to have the conversation and then you get to decide mm-hmm. what it looks like together. And now you're on the same page and you're both choosing into something that is right for you. Not one person feeling trapped by what they think they're supposed to do. And the other person feeling like a victim of just like ignorance to the whole thing because they didn't have the same exposure to the same things because they didn't guess right or because like whatever the thing is. So, yeah. I, I love that you said that because I think like this is like a whole long story. Like our first Valentine's Day was terrible because I thought <laughs> Carl was going to do something really sweet and amazing because he was so good at doing things like that. And he thought we love each other so much. We could have a great time anywhere. Let's go to uh, Red Lobster, which there's nothing wrong with Red Lobster, except for I don't really like seafood. I don't either. So <laughs> neither <laughs> like, and we had a gift card. We had like a $20 gift card and Carl thought it would be like a funny joke that like, hey, we're so in love that we can spend our first Valentine's Day at Red Lobster. And he kept telling me it was going to be Red Lobster. And I, the more he doubled down on that, the more I thought that this is an elaborate ploy to get me distracted away from this amazing date he's planning. And then it came down to it and we were actually going to Red Lobster and I cried and it was a disaster, but we saved it. But the reason I say all of that is because when we actually sat down, I actually don't need to be taken to a five-star restaurant on Valentine's Day. Like, I, there are a million reasons why that's not what I want. It's way more expensive. It's hard to get a reservation. They choose the menu for it. It's just not, I don't, I don't want that. So when we actually sat down and thought about not what is this supposed to look like, what does, what do we want this to look like? We got to create our own way of doing things and we got to create our own traditions. And you, it looks like you're about to laugh. Do you have something? To say? I just feel the need to defend myself. <laughs> I, I probably don't need to, but there was 
more to it. And yes, it was, we go to all these places. Let's not worry about the circumstance and the pomp of like making this arbitrary day that like into something, but instead make it simple and keep it about us, not about Anyway. Yeah, it was um anyway. it was a miscommunication. <laughs> we didn't clarify <laughs> we didn't the expectations. We didn't have the conversation. Um but so I, I do think I love that you said that because we've gotten to 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 imagine and decide what we want each piece of our life to look like. Sure. And every once in a while I get really caught up in like it should look like this or it has to look like this, and I do that way more than you do. Yeah. But I love that you get to and I mean I did that a lot when we were engaged too, like they're spending their money this way. They hang out this much. They go on these mini dates, whatever. And constantly throughout our whole time of being together, you've brought me back and been like, Steph, we get to decide right. what this looks like. And so I think that's amazing. And so just to wrap up this like conflict resolution, how to deal with it kind of thing, I really think that the most valuable thing we learned, and we got to practice it a lot. It was something we talked about a lot on the world race. So that's kind of where we started it, but to not let anger fester. Like don't let it explode. Take a minute, but don't let it fester. Don't sit on it forever. Don't shove it down in the, in the interest of trying to be more accommodating or whatever. Like take a minute and and understand what piece of it is on you. What piece of it is like maybe circumstantial, but there is maybe something in it that you can communicate to the other person. One other sort of like little tip that this is really helpful for me. Cause I'm such a like I feel like my heart is so tender and I'm like such, I'm way more sensitive than, I don't know, you are. <laughs> um, I feel like I could probably be more direct with you, but one of the things they talked about was the Oreo method. And so saying something kind and and encouraging, then giving the piece of feedback, but not out of a place of like, you suck at this. Like Carl, <laughs> you're the worst at this, yeah. but saying, Hey, like, um, if it's the dishes example, like, Oh, I'll, I'll give an example in, in a minute and then affirming them at the end. So it's like affirmation, like feedback, affirmation. And so it would be like, Carl, you do so much around our house to take care of me and, and our home. And I just love that about you. You put so much work into that. I really appreciate it. You know, we've talked a couple times about the way that you like load the dishwasher, which is hilarious because I'm the <laughs> one who does it wrong. Um, we've talked a couple times about the way you load the dishwasher. And I know that your heart is always to, to love me and take care of me. But the fact that we've talked about it a couple times and you like still do it this other way makes me feel kind of unseen and unheard. And I know that that's not your heart. And so like, is that something that you could work on is like loading the dishwasher this way. It would just make me feel so loved and you are such a good husband. And I know that that's your heart. Yeah. So that's the feedback. It's, it's not right. saying you're a terrible, lazy person because that's going to just incite more conflict. Yeah. It's saying, listen, I see through what's happening here and here's the real piece of it. it I, do, I feel not listened to. Yeah. And, and addressing it sooner rather than later so that you're not mad about the dishes plus 40 other things a year right. from now or 10 years from now. Just get through it today. Yeah. It's not about the like some magic formula or like hiding like this criticism between two like manufactured compliments or anything like that. To me, it's almost about one, like the science of the negative stuff has more sticking power than the positive stuff. So we really have to like, as humans work to overwhelm the negative with positive of what, of truth. And the other component of it is that like, it forces you 
to remember the things that you like about the person. It forces you to remember that this person is more than just this one thing that they're doing that's annoying you or this thing that like the circumstance of right now, but to think beyond that and to have this this bigger picture look at your relationship as a whole and remind yourself that like this is a human that I care about and that I love and I'm doing this thing in love, not out of anger or spite or, or because I'm trying to like, I feel bad. So I'm going to pull them down. Like, no, it, it's gotta be like the Oreo thing kind of can feel cliche and, and do what's right for you. But I think that practice of remembering in the midst of having difficult conversations, remembering and being intentional about including what you like about the person and what's good uh, and what's working well helps to, to keep things on track. Right. And it helps the person step into more of who you know they were made to be. You're recognizing the goodness in them instead of pointing out the badness, I guess. Um, So Carl, there are so many questions we have here and I feel like so bad that we're not going to get through all of them. I just feel like it's kind of the nature of it though. One question that we've gotten from several people was, what's the best way to handle our significant other's wounds or sinful choices from the past? How do we le- uh, like? How do we learn to forgive them? And then the other thing is, if your fiance struggles with pornography, what do you do about that? And how do you prevent that from like hindering your future marriage? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing, I think the biggest kind of way to set yourself up for success is to realize really early on that everybody has things and it's and it's not about comparing and it's not about finding some way to like equalize to each other or whatever i think it's about realizing that this person today is the person that i'm marrying and this person today this person right now and this person in the future is who i'm agreeing to like do life with and i think that the reality is Again, everybody has these things and the point is not, again, to compare or anything like that because we only have the things that we know. We only have our own experiences and the things that that we've gone through. But, but being comfortable letting that person into who you are and talking about that together, I think is, is really important and, and really a necessary piece of developing and understanding the vulnerability that is required of intimacy. Uh, like if you really want this with like relationship to have the depth and and meaning and, and power that it's capable of, that requires a certain level of vulnerability. And I think too, that like having that conversation together is really important. And we also think that this is a really important time for if you don't already have like spiritual leaders in your life, helping you understand how to do this, particularly in this season of engagement, like that's the biggest unknown, I think, for most people is how to, whatever intimacy has looked like in past relationships and whatever it has looked like in your relationship with this person up to this point, this season of engagement, like that's the biggest transition actually to me of like, like finding that balance of like, I know we're going to be married and I know that like, there's this progression that comes, but we're still not married and not physically, but that's like, that's the representation, like that's one of the representations of this thing. Yeah. But like, 
of having these conversations if you haven't already and letting someone see more and more and more of you. And even in the wedding planning process of like, there's a depth of like in that working through some of these things and problem solving together, like there's like vulnerability that comes up about these things and and understanding expectations, all this stuff that we're talking about, there's the opportunity to be vulnerable and which creates that intimacy and, and finding that balance is, is difficult. But I think that you've got to learn to trust that person is a safe place. And unfortunately, like the best way to do that is to like believe that they're safe and, and you have to like open yourself up to, to that person. I'm so glad that you talked about vulnerability because really, like we really do all bring something into marriage and that's, I mean, sin is sin is sin. Like we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes and, and really like they're not ranked. Like they're just, we, we've falling short is falling short. And I think that recognizing that in ourselves, I think that's a really important thing to do that like, listen, was your past perfect? Like, and, and even if it was, even if you like followed the letter of the law, well, okay, there's so much like for way lack of a better way to say this, like yucky heart stuff in that too, that like I have gripped onto the rules my whole life in order to earn, like that's not stepping into the the love and grace that Jesus offers us at all. And so there's even something in that that's broken. And so I think that like recognizing that we are all broken and we are all coming into marriage and really just every day of life with something that we've either done that we're ashamed of, that we've done that's slightly off something that, or something that's totally terribly off Mm -hmm. or something that's been done to us. When we can recognize that in ourselves, I think it's easier to be like, listen, I know that you have been through the ringer too in life. We all have been. And, Mm -hmm. and I recognize the pain that you've been through. And I love what God has been, how God has been redeeming your story. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that was really beautiful for both of us is like, we both made a lot of mistakes in life, like everyone else has. Are, they just look different for all of us. Sure. But I think that you've been really, and we talked about this in the other episode, so we'll link to it in the show notes. I want you guys to be able to hear the whole story, but I think we've been able to really recognize through knowing the messy things that have happened to us and that we've done in the past, we've been able to see Jesus in each other's lives a lot. Mm. Like, man, God has done a work in you and it makes me love you more. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't make me love you less that you made mistakes. It makes me love you more. One, how you handled them and how you like grew from them, but also what God did in your life through them. One thing I do want to acknowledge though, is I think that especially when it comes to past, like sexual sin really specifically, that that, can hurt us in a way that is different from some other sin. Like, so when we're thinking about getting married and being physically intimate with this person, knowing how many other people they've been physically intimate with is, is hard. It's really like, that's a very, um, I just want to recognize that. And I think that figuring out how to move forward in, in that and how to reconcile both of your physical pasts with the future you're stepping into together. And I would say, any current like sin in your life, whether it's pornography, whatever it is, I think that that is a perfect thing to talk about in counseling period and also premarital counseling. Like we are huge. We, we did premarital counseling and we're such a huge 
we're huge fans of counseling in, in general, um, which if you've been listening to Girls Night for a while, you know, because we talk about <laughs> it all the time. Um, but really, I just think that that's one of those things that's just hard to navigate on our own, um, how to navigate expectations, how to forgive things, how to even think about opening ourselves up. You know, that's one of the things I've talked to so many friends and women around the world about their sex lives as married women. And every single one of us is bringing something in, whether it's something that happened to us in the past, happened to our person in the past, something we've done, something they've done something is off some there's a miscommunication there's something like sex and the whole thing is complicated and it's complicated for all of us and so I think that if if you have some specific things in your life currently or in the past or if he does bringing those things to a counselor either individually or together is awesome because you will be able to go into marriage with so much more freedom when it comes to your sex life, which is complicated. Anyway, that's a huge transition in itself. And it just takes a minute to like get the hang of things and figure each other out. But you're able to go in with so much more freedom because you will have worked through these things that are just, I think, too big to work through on our own. Yeah. I think that that, that one of the things I've been thinking about in all of this stuff is like with, with these things, but also we were talking about earlier with just like expectations and stuff like that is that like one of the biggest pieces of advice I think that, that we could could give somebody who's in that season of engagement is that like, this is a time to figure out not just like what those expectations are and things like that, but like a lot of this stuff is there are, there are certain things that are like really solid things to stick to, but a lot of this stuff is like what's best for you. And more importantly, what's, what does healthy look like for you, the two of you, what is your version of healthy Cause that's, I mean, it comes in with all of these things about comparison and stuff like that. Like what looks like healthy or what looks like happy or what looks like, like the right way to do life for somebody else may not be what happy or healthy or successful looks like for you in your marriage. And obviously all forms of intimacy are like fit in that are included in that thing. And if we don't talk about it, we never know. And we're back to that thing of guessing. We're back to that thing of not being sure and having different expectations and all of that stuff. And if we want those things to be healthy, if we want to be on the same page about what healthy is and what healthy looks like, that requires us to not only be willing to have the conversation, but to continue having the conversation like throughout engagement and into and through marriage of here's what we here's how we're like evaluating our marriage. That's separate from how anybody else evaluates their marriage. I don't care how anybody else evaluates their marriage. Like I care about how we evaluate our marriage and healthy for us in these different areas looks like this. And knowing like there's a level of you're doing it together. You're like, that's the biggest thing is that it's no longer, you should be the, the, to me, like the measure, right? Like the thermostat on this thing is, do I feel like we're in this thing together? Whatever the thing is that like we're dealing with, do I feel like we're in this thing together or do I feel still like I'm doing this by myself and continuing to try to get back to and, and pursue doing this thing together? Can you talk for a second just about why we decided to do premarital counseling and kind of how it went? Yeah. I mean, I think that we wanted to know the things we didn't know was probably the biggest thing. And to hear from people who had been married for a long time and who had experience doing premarital counseling and, and wisdom from that and like just not like knowledge, but more importantly, wisdom of like, hey, yes, you can do these things, you know, the way that you want and you're going to have to make your own decisions. But like from our experience, 
here's some good places to start, or here's some things. I mean, even more than that, it's here's the things you should talk about now. Mm -hmm. Here's the things you should work out now. Here's the things you should practice now while you have this, like this time of like, I don't want it. I, I go back and forth of like wanting to like make it this like isolated thing and also see it as part of like this extension, but it is a season. It's, 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 a time in life that is set aside on purpose, like for intentionally preparing to be married. And that's the best way I know to do it. Like that's the best way I know is to invite people who are smarter than me and have more experience and more wisdom than me to help me to learn what I don't know. Yeah. I think the the ask, having people to ask you questions was huge. Um, and again, like, you know, going back to counseling, I think I, this isn't something I did when we were engaged, but it's something I've done like recently. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, um, is that I've been in counseling me personally without you, Mm -hmm. um, for the last like more than a year. And it's been so good for me personally, but it's also been so good for our marriage because the healthier we are as individuals, the healthier our marriage is. And so I think that there might be some things that come up as you're going through pyramidal counseling or, you know, that have come up already where you're like, man, I don't know how to deal with this. That's, I would say now, whenever now is for you is always a good time to go to counseling. If you're looking at something where you're like, I've been trying to get through this on my own and I don't know how I could really use some help with this help is available to you. And taking that help personally will make your marriage so much better. And so I know that we didn't really get to talk all the way through like the details of like working out like past sin struggles or past like Uh, or like talk about pornography a lot, but really I think that those conversations are better had with someone like with a couple who can be there sitting with you. And, um, but those are, that's like the perfect thing to talk about in premarital counseling, but I just want you to know you're not alone. And why I think it's important. I I think that the the takeaway from us is that, to have the conversation and, and to force yourself to have the conversation, not, not again, as an exercise of like making a leisure or a record, right. Of all of these things, of like, I have your list and you have my list and that's the thing. But like, as a practice of having difficult conversations more than anything, and as a record, uh, like, or as a practice of having grace for that person and seeing the humanity of that person and loving that person, like practicing loving that person and caring for that person and grieving with that, that other person. But the biggest takeaway is that like, you have an opportunity in this season of engagement to invite somebody in who hopefully, like, I know that a lot of churches like require it. And like, that's, it has to be like with the pastor who's going to marry you. And this is the pastor at this church. And like, you want to get married at some special church and whatever, but like, that's cool. But that's not really what we're talking about. It's not like the required part, yeah. like to get the certificate. What we're talking about is an opportunity to invite people that you know and trust and want to be a part of your lives in now, because this is not the only season when these conversations are going to take place and like having people be a part of your marriage. Yeah. Having, having go-to people starting. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to start in engagement by any means, but it definitely doesn't have to stop the day you get married. And I think that that's the biggest, like to put a, you know, bow on this whole thing is like, you have an opportunity in this season of engagement to work out and practice what you think you might like your marriage to be like, but it doesn't have to, those things don't have to end the day you get married. And it doesn't have to like wait to start until that day. Like 
that's the the fluid piece is the working out definitely continues of working out what you want this to look like and figuring things out and healing and learning to love each other well and all of that stuff like it begins in a new way i think when you're engaged but it only like continues and goes up and and grows and so the line isn't like as definitive as i think sometimes people try to to make it of like yeah you're not you don't graduate from marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So I know that one of the things that so many, this is sort of like one of those hot button kind of, you know where I'm going with this. I know. One of the things that people ask a lot is about like boundaries in specifically engagement. It's hard because you're like almost married, but you're not quite. Yeah, totally. Um, when it comes to living together. So I want us really more to just talk about what we did mm-hmm. rather than like give a formal argument for, you know, whatever. I just right. want to talk about what we did. Carl, did we live together slash did we have lots of sleepovers slash did we, I can't think of a way. Now I just want to make a joke. Uh, were we physically intimate? <laughs> <laughs> I thought of all the ways I could uh-huh. say it and I, and I just decided to, I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Went down the list. Yeah. So did we, did we live together? How did we handle that? No, we, we decided that we wanted to like make the most of, of like, we're excited about marriage. We're excited to get married and, and for all of that stuff. But there are parts about being not married that we wanted to like soak up that, that last piece of. And, and one of the things for me and for you too, was to have like that time with roommates and to continue um, living with these people and, and sharing life with those people. Cause that's not something we're going to get back. Like you can't go back and, and do the roommate thing. Um, most of us can't. And so there was a healthy separation that came there and, and the benefit of like, yeah, I want to, I want to keep doing life with these people for the rest of the time that I have. I think we, um, I remember talking to my dear friend, Casey, when you and I, this is on the other episode we did together, which again, we'll link to it, but we talked about marriage like pretty quickly when we started dating. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to Casey about that and I, and Casey gave me the best wisdom and she was like, Steph, you only get to do this dating thing once. Mm-hmm. And you only get to be engaged once and then you're married. And and she was like, I think that if you really are here for this, if you're really present for it and really soak it in and really do it intentionally and do it well, that will build the foundation for engagement. Mm-hmm. And then doing engagement really well and being really present for it will build the foundation for marriage really well. And I think that, you know, it was hard because I wanted to just like skip ahead, but I think that her advice was really good. And that's really what we tried to do in all areas. So we didn't live together and we did our very best to keep some physical boundaries before we got married. I mean, we did a really, really good job. Um, Part of that was having other people around, like having, like being in situations where there are other, yeah, there were other people. Yeah. So I think that that, you know, that was just really important to us that we like, that's something we were really excited about to have be a part of our marriage, yeah. but we weren't married yet. And we didn't want to, we didn't want to rush it. We wanted to just be engaged. Yeah. One thing that I feel like I should really admit to is the fact that, so we didn't really do sleepovers either. And the reason for that was because we weren't married yet. And we knew it was going to be so special to get to like wake up together. And we just didn't, for me, I didn't want to like peek and open the Christmas present and ruin the, like, not a surprise, but I just, it felt like it was going to be so sweet. And I felt like I was sort of stealing from it by like taking it 
early, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I have to admit though, that I was so bad about that. Like I hated it. I mm-hmm. hated when you would leave at the end of the night, we'd be hanging out and it'd be late. And I'd be like, you can just stay. <laughs> like I was like the sleepover seductress, like anything I could do to get you to stay and just like hang out with me and cuddle with me. I just was so excited for that next season. But you were a champion about being like, listen, I love you and I'm so excited to be married to you, but I'm getting up and I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that showed me a lot of strength in your character and, and showed me like just the the man that you are to to be so, to, to set a, an intention and to follow through with it, mm-hmm. I think was really cool. Okay, Carl, I want to just ask you, you know, one last question. I know we've talked about so many things and just, do you have any last encouragement for the engaged couples that are listening? Just any last bit of advice or wisdom or just encouragement for them? Yeah, I think that it's very true that the way we, like, you know, the seeds that we sow in one time, like in this time of life, produce fruit in the next season. That's very true. The way that you are right now, the way that your relationship is right now, the way your engagement goes, the way your wedding day goes, doesn't define the way your marriage goes. And it's a constant choice and there's pros and cons to that. But like you, it's a, it's constantly choosing to do this together and to continue to have the conversations, to continue to decide what you want your marriage to look like and how you can become a better husband, better wife, better together. And so I think that try and, and, make the most of the opportunity, but I don't want to add more, like, I don't want to add more expectation or or add more pressure to like the situation. Cause I don't think that that's the point. I don't think the point is to like build up all of and, and add to all of the things that we put into this time. If anything, it's to say like that, I think deep down, we know when we stop for a second and step away from the planning and the magazines and the guest list and the sh- like dress shopping and the flowers and all of the things and the like the receptions or you know all of that stuff the sh- like yeah showers and finger sandwiches like when we stop and step back i think that we really know what's important i think deep down we all know okay this thing matters and this thing doesn't and as long as together we stop and every once in a while, remind ourselves and remind each other, this is the stuff that matters. We want this stuff to be great, but it's it's temporary. And continue to help each other focus and and pour into and invest in the things that matter and let the other stuff kind of figure itself out. Let the other stuff go. The things will happen the way that you want them to. I think that's I think that's so good that it's do this season intentionally. Right. Soak it up and do your best and focus on the stuff that matters and invest there and try to let the other stuff go and love each other well and start having these conversations, but also take off the pressure of feeling like you need to do it perfectly or mm-hmm. like it should look like somebody else's. Yeah. Your engagement season is so unique to you and your personalities and your season of life and I mean, we got to find out the hard way. You can have a total wrench thrown in your engagement yeah. season that you don't see coming. It's going to look different for everybody, and that's okay. Yeah, Just love each other and have the conversations and, and do your best. But know yeah. that if it's not perfect, 
welcome to the club and you're going to be okay anyway. Yeah. I think that the test or like the filter to put things through is what is the order of priority of like voices? What's the priority of voices in my life? There's so many people that have opinions about your wedding. There's so many people that have their own expectations. There's so many people that have their own wants and needs and all of those things that it's really easy to get that all clouded and to let that get in the way of those important things. And so like, is my bridesmaid's voice louder and more important than my fiance's voice? Maybe sometimes. Okay, let's stop and refocus. <laughs> this is our wedding, not yeah, mine or her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is my sister's voice louder than God's voice, than my fiance's voice, than, you know, stuff like that? It's hard. It's not saying, obviously, like, don't honor those people. It's just to remember and that this time is about resetting the priority of voices in your life. Your mom's voice or your dad's voice or whoever, when you get married is no longer, or your best friend's voice is no longer the number one voice in your life. The number one human voice in your life becomes your fiance's voice if it's not already. And don't let that get mixed up in the day, in in planning the day. Use the season to practice prioritizing voices the way that you want them to be prioritized. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Um, Carl, I am going to put you on the spot here real quick. Would you just pray for the couples that are listening just to close this out? Yeah. Just pray for them. Yeah. God, we thank you for marriage. We thank you that you designed this experience that you see us and you know us. And for some people you said, Hey, this is, you're going to smash your life into somebody else's life. And it's awesome. It's really cool. It's really hard. It's really fun. It's a really, a really great time. The time of, of being engaged in, of, of celebrating and, and of practice and of intentionality and of refocusing and realigning your life and all of the things that you've been doing with somebody else's. And so we pray that we, that the people who are engaged would take advantage of the time, that they would hear you clearly together, and that you would help them to see those things that really matter, that you would help them to see the voices that are too loud, that you would help them to see the things they need to work out, the things they need to talk about, the expectations that need to be set, and just the, the hope for what you have in store for them. And pray for everybody involved in the process, parents, brothers, sisters, families, that they would be reminders of what love looks like, that they would be supportive, that they would be helpful, that they would be kind, that they would be selfless. <laughs> and we pray that that you would put people in older, wise guides in people's lives to help them ask the questions they don't know to ask, to help them have the conversations they don't know to have, and to be there to just walk through this season and and future seasons, hopefully, with all these people. We really love you, and we thank you so much for just who you are in our lives. You're good, and I'm really glad that we get to do this together and with you. Jesus' name. 
Oh, I just loved that conversation. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. So that's it for this episode. And actually, that's it for season five. This is our last episode of the season. Isn't that crazy? I feel like it went by so fast. But don't worry at all because we are just getting started. We'll be back in just a month or so for season six. And we have so many amazing new episodes headed your way. But... Before we sign off for the season, I wanted to ask you guys for a big favor. Actually, it's a small favor, but to me, it feels huge. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it would really mean the world to me. So if you would take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. All right, friends, thank you so much again for joining me for Girls' Night, and I'll see you in just a month or so for season six. Bye.